Okay, so what I would like to do is begin by introducing you to our first guest. And her boss is no stranger to us in the Florida Council of the Blind. She is the director of outreach here in the Jacksonville office from our friend, Congresswoman Corinne Brown. And um, I can tell you, as having been involved with with um, legislation for FCB and on this committee for many years. She is one of our friends, someone that we can always count on. In fact, I would say she and Ileana Ross-Leitinen are people that we can always count on. And so um, what we're going to do is turn the mic over for a few minutes to the Director of Outreach for Congresswoman Corinne Brown, Carolyn Chapman, and um, I'm going to let her tell you what she's going to talk to you about. It's, it's really going to be interesting because she's going to talk about constituents and, and the legislative initiatives that, you know, that goes on up in D.C., and she's going to have a very interesting talk that, that the Congresswoman's office in Washington, D.C. played a hand in. And I, So with greetings from her office and all of that, we're going to turn the phone o- microphone over to Carolyn. Make her welcome. Good afternoon. Can you hear? Can you hear me? Talk wait and talk right into it. Just yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Ah, that sounds like the commercial. <laughs> Good afternoon again. My name is Carolyn Chapman, and I am the the local area director for Congresswoman Corrine Brown. And it is a pleasure to be here this afternoon and to share with you uh, the works of our local congressional office. Unfortunately. The Congresswoman is not able to be here this afternoon because she is working in Washington, Uh, but she asked me to come by and thank you for coming to Jacksonville for your conference and to welcome you to our beautiful city. So welcome to Jacksonville. We hope that you will have some time left after your conference to look around our beautiful city and Uh, enjoy our beaches and our downtown riverfront, uh, and that you will be able to enjoy some of your uh, leisure time here in Jacksonville. Congresswoman Brown represents the 5th Congressional District of Florida, and that area covers cities like Gainesville, Jacksonville, Palaka, Green Coast Springs, Sanford, Orlando, um, I think I mentioned Gainesville, and uh, those are some of the cities that that we cover portions of those cities. And what we do locally is different than what we do in Washington. In the Jacksonville office, and we also have an office in Orlando, we basically, basically provide constituent services for those who are interested in Uh, receiving assistance uh, if you have an issue with, for instance, the VA or with Medicare or you're interested in some other federal agency that may be providing some type of assistance or if you have a problem with one of those agencies. Locally, that's what we try to do is to assist you with the issues that are um, concerning you to make sure that we get an answer for you. Other things we do in the local office is we provide uh, congressional accommodations for people who have uh, achieved certain uh, 
milestones in their lives. Sometimes people like to have letters from the president, uh, greetings. Uh, if someone have reached another milestone, for instance, someone turns 100, and they would like for their loved one to have a letter from the president, then we will assist you with that. We also provide assistance to people who want to go to Washington. They want to do a tour. And I have some brochures that I brought with me today, and I'll pass them out to make sure that all of you have one to talk about some of the other services that we provide in the office locally. Congresswoman Brown uh, serves on the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, and she's the senior member of that committee, and she's also a ranking member on the Veterans Affairs Committee. Um, the Washington office is different from the, the local Jacksonville office because the Washington office basically is interested in providing the legislative function. Um, the chief function of Congress is to make laws. So that's what they do in Washington. I asked our Washington office to give me an update on some of the legislation that may be of interest to you today. And they gave me two bills, and I have copies that I'll pass out to you. One is, and these are bills that the Congresswoman support, and these are two key issues. The first one is the passage of the Medicare demonstration and coverage of low vision devices. Yay, that's one of our bills. Yay. That's H.R. 729. She's very supportive of that bill. The bill now is actually stuck in committee. Uh, it's in the Energy and Commerce Committee. So it have not advanced to the floor yet. One of the things that you can do to kind of help push things along is to contact your uh, congressional representative in the area where you live to let them know that this is a bill that you have interest in and that you would like for them to support it. But at the present, that bill is in the uh, Energy and Commerce Committee. The second bill that the congresswoman is very passionate about is H.R. 3535. Is that another one of your bills? Yeah, <laughs> good. That bill is... Uh, also in committee, and it's in the Early Childhood Elementary and Secondary Education Committee. So if you have, you know, questions or concerns or you need, you know, to call your legislator and let them know how interested you are in these bills being passed, uh, please call them, write them, email them to let them know of your concerns and your interests. I understand that uh, some of you were in Washington earlier this year, so I know that members of Congress are, are uh, aware of your legislation that you are pushing, and we just encourage you to continue to, um, to act on those things. That's basically what I have for you today, but in closing, the Congresswoman asked me to say to you to whom much has been given, much is required. She stated that beyond a doubt, the work that you are doing on behalf of the blind is the most honorable job that can be done. 
and she wanted all of you in this room to give yourself an applause. Thank you very much, and welcome to Jacksonville. Thank you. Before before our honored guest has to return to her office and go to work, we're going to take a couple minutes. Does anybody have a question about, because I'm sure all local offices have certain, oops, things in common. So, so, these microphones. So anyway, if anybody has a question or two for, um, for, for Carolyn, I know she'd be happy to answer it if she can. And we're just, again, so happy to have you here. So any question? mic runner? Somebody to pass the mic around? Over there. Carolyn's going to do it herself. There you go. So if you have a question, raise your hand, and you'll be called on when you receive the mic. Eric, I have the first question. Okay, thank you. I'm, I'm wondering, I mean, it would seem like, just on Where's the face the of it, the... Oh, Jack Jordan. It seems like the bill that Congresswoman Brown supports for the demonstration from... Um, visual aids, Medicare paying for those, it seems like that would be fairly routine and easy to pass. Where is it stuck in committee because of significant opposition, or is it just inertia the way the committee system works, or or what's the reason for it being stuck? Thank you very much. That's a very good question that I don't know the answer to. It could be stuck in committee because it just have not advanced. Uh, it could be stuck in com- I don't know about the opposition, but one of the things that you can do when you go back home is to contact your uh, legislative representative and just ask them the status of that bill and ask if their member is on board, if they have signed on to that bill. That's a very good response. Um, Carolyn and Jack and everybody, we will be talking more about this issue and why and, and the why and the wherefore as we move on with the program. So this issue isn't this isn't the last you're going to hear about this today. Any other questions? Yes. Yeah, my name is Jack Dodge. Uh, I work with the Jacksonville Council of the Blind. I've been working with our legislators for decades. And it's nice to have a congresswoman like we have with Corrine Brown. And it's great to have a senator that will be here soon as well. My experience in in government and trying to get bills, well, I kind of wanted more or less to answer his question because I know it's important to him. If you've got a question, ask the question. If you don't, let somebody else ask the question. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you then. We'll just keep working on it. Thank you very much. Any other question over here? Good. Um, Thank you for coming today. Uh, This is Dan Spoon from Orlando. Uh, My question was, the Florida delegation, uh, because what's interesting with this bill, H.R. 729, it it has bipartisan support from both Gus Bellarakis on the Republican side and folks like Ms. Brown on the Democrat side. Is there any time when the whole Florida delegation gets together and listens to people from Florida as a united group? Another very good question. The Florida delegation meets, I don't know how often, because they meet in Washington, 
but they do have a, a time that they meet, they get together, and they discuss the bills. There are a lot of times there are commonalities regardless of party because the issues are not partisan, and they work very closely together. I know here in Jacksonville, Congresswoman Brown worked very closely with uh, Congressman Andrew Crenshaw on a lot of legislation because you're doing what is best for the community, what is best for the issues that are involved. But uh, the delegation does meet, and they do discuss the bills. Thank you for your question. Any other questions? Okay. I don't see any other hands. Well, Carolyn, we cannot thank you enough. And we know we took you a little bit out of your comfort zone, but you handled it all, the deep end of the pool, extremely well. And we're so glad that you were able to be here with us. And um, please, please uh, extend to the Congresswoman our gratitude, as will I in writing, um, for sending you to us. And you did a wonderful job, and you're a gracious lady. And we're glad that you are there to help along the, the constituents in, in, um, in the Congresswoman's district. I'm sure you're wonderful. You're a very gracious lady, and we appreciate you so much, Carolyn. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Okay, while we are waiting for Senator Gibson, I want to um, I, I want to call on our president first to say a few things about our visit on the hill, and then you're the best, honey. Thank you so much. Very, very good. I'll we'll make sure that they get given out. Thank you so much. Appreciate it so much, honey. You're the best, sweetie. Oh, great. Where is it? Oh, got it. Thanks, honey. Thank you. Um, we're going to call on our president first, and then we will call on some of our people who have represented us up on the Hill. What we're going to do, should Senator Gibson arrive, we will suspend that, have her present to us, and then finish up with that, so th and then your questions at the end. So that's, that's the plan. So um, right now, I'm going to hand the mic. Do you have a mic, or do you need this? Okay, we're going we're gonna to hand the mic over to our president, Mr. Crock. Well, we, it just, it's okay. No, we, we, it, it, there'd be more feedback than anything else, I think, Mike. Let's just let you keep it at arm's length, as it were. No, I think it was a glass. Uh, I'm not going to monopolize uh, our presentation here. Let me tell you that we were very well represented at ACB's legislative seminar and workshop and lobbying session in uh, Washington this year. I think we had nine um, people up there working for FCB and ACB from Florida. Uh, it was a wonderful event. Uh, before I became part of your illustrious uh, leadership, I used to grumble about the expenditure of funds for the legislative uh, process. And let me tell you, I think it's one of the best things that FCB does. I welcome uh, including it in our budget and watching uh, our members go to Capitol Hill and reach out to the offices of all of our senators and Congress people uh, in Florida is just an incredible thing to observe. Uh, we contacted all 30-plus um, members. 
Uh, it was a very long day for all of us, um, but it was a wonderful experience. Uh, and I'm going to let um, Dan and Mike and Paul um, give you a little bit more specifics about what we lobbied for and how it went. Thank you. Okay. Why don't we do this? Um, why don't we Why don't we let Mike go? And no, we're doing. We're going to let Mike go. Then we're going to have um, Dan, and then we're going to let Paul Bat clean up. And uh, so we'll have the two jovial personalities go and get their unique perspectives. And then Mr. Edwards will bat clean up. And if I have anything to say, you know I won't be shy about saying it. You want to come up here? So, Mike, do you want to come up here and use this mic, or do you want to take your wireless back? What do you want to do? Yeah, come on. There's also a podium mic just to my right if you want to use that. That's yes, right. right. That's right. All right. Just pass me to the right. You'll come to the barrier. Yes. Good afternoon, gang. Are we all uh, all awake here? Sure. <laughs> well, it, as Jim said, uh, you know, being on Capitol Hill is uh, a unique experience and a worthwhile experience. We uh, really, I must tell you, and 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 uh, not, I'm not saying it because. I did something great, but everybody uh, cooperated and uh, got this done. And let me tell you, it's a lot of work. And uh, I think we need to give Debbie a lot of kudos for setting it up. And she does it every year. She does an incredible job and she's blushing. Yes, there you go. And uh, also... uh, does a lot of follow-up, and it's important, I think, to understand that we need to follow up, too. And I think that's, I know for me, that's where I get a little lazy. Uh, You know, I like walking up on the hill and glad-handing the representatives or their uh, legislative assistants, and, uh, you know, to to keep it going, I think, is the the, uh, test for all of us, you know. I think... Uh, it's so easy to sit home and say, uh, gee, we have to get this done, and I don't know why somebody doesn't act on that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I forget that I can go over to the computer and type a letter or pick up the phone and make a call, you know. Uh, so I, I think the, what I, you know, take away from this all the time is to try to be more proactive because the work that goes into it by not only for setting it up, but once we're there, we have to decide who is going where, what time we're supposed to be there, and uh, if, if we're running late, which happens often, we then have to split up the teams, and uh, if you've never been on Capitol Hill, it's pretty expansive, and there's a, a lot of offices and a lot of buildings and a lot of ways you can get lost, <laughs> and... Uh, to tell you the truth, we, we come out of there every time. Uh, our feet hurt. We're tired. We're beat up. But, you know, it's a worthwhile experience because we feel, for the most part, that we have really contacted uh, people who can do something. Now, whether they do something is another story. But we've at least raised the consciousness level, and 
eventually, uh, it, I, I like to think, you know, it all gets done, but it doesn't all get done. But, you know, uh, you see things move along, and I know it's a hard process to understand why these things take forever to get out of this committee and that committee. And sometimes the thing that keeps them stuck is that people aren't calling. So that's why this is a good thing for all of us to be at today, because it's a, it keeps us informed as to what is going on and what we can do to keep these things moving along. Now, you just heard one of the bills is stuck in committee. Uh, I, I just, I'll never forget when we were there, I think it was last year, and when we raised the issue about the, uh, the bill uh, concerning Medicare not paying for anything that had a lens in it, therefore not paying for adaptive equipment with lenses in it since they don't buy glasses for anyone, there were several legislative assistants that were actually surprised. They didn't know that this existed. And so, you know, if nobody tells them, I mean, these bills are very extensive. They're, you know, very thick. So it's not, not everybody sits down and reads it cover to cover. And uh, some of the, uh, the things that we do up there, I mean, sometimes, you, you know, you'd think it's obvious that a legislative assistant would know this, but they don't. And that probably means that it's not top on the congressman or senator's uh, priority. So going to Capitol Hill is, is a venture worth taking. And, uh, you know, the results are faster than others sometimes. But just think what would happen if we didn't go. So this is really a worthwhile endeavor. And uh, it was a pleasure for me to be up there with people who were working hard Jim and Pat and Paul and Doug and uh, Dan and Leslie and Debbie and uh, Mikey Wiseman and uh, we had a whole crew uh, rocking and rolling over there and uh, it was it was uh, it was really a fulfilling experience. So if you get the chance to go, uh, please do that. And and I want to encourage everyone to do the follow up. And Jim and Paul and. And uh, Dan are going to get more specific, so I'm going to uh, take a seat. Thank you, Mike. We're go <laughs> we're going to um, we're going to hear from our other friends in just a few moments, Paul and Dan. But before we do, the guest of honor of our event, State Senator Audrey Gibson, is here today, and. Um, I have so enjoyed communicating with her office. I can just tell you from, and I don't live in Jacksonville, and they know that from my phone number, but um, I could not have received a kinder and warmer reception, and her her um, office assistant, Teresa, just left no stone unturned to see that, that Senator Gibson got to us, and it's just, if if they deal with everything, and I'm sure they do, with the way they have communicated with me to set up this meeting, um, it is, a you know, people in Jacksonville are blessed to have Senator Gibson and her fine staff representing you all here. So without any further ado, um, I, I ask Senator Gibson to discuss some certain things, and she's going to do that. You know me, I... I kind of choreographed things. So, but I also made it quite clear to our 
my new friend, Teresa, that I also wanted Senator Gibson to feel perfectly free to share with us things that are of importance to her and that she would like to say to us. So we're going to turn the microphone now over to our new friend, Senator Audrey Gibson. Thank you. Do you want me to stand? If you, want to, you want to go to the podium? Okay. She's making her way to the podium as we speak. A little video description there. <laughs> well, good afternoon. Oh. I know it's a... Did you guys have lunch already? Yep, we did. Yeah, well, good afternoon. <laughs> you should be... Oh, I know what it is. You're sleepy because you already ate lunch. And so um, thank you so much for inviting me inviting me here today. And, and actually, I'm not a new friend. I, I, I'm really an old friend um, of the council. Uh, and since I've been in the legislature, since 2002, I've always uh, made sure to advocate for those who sometimes can't advocate for themselves. So I'm so excited to share some tips with you today. And the council has been extremely helpful uh, to my family, um, to my dad in particular, who is a blind in one eye and nearly blind in the other. And so I'm very familiar with the council. I'm very familiar with what some struggles look like um, sometimes and how uh, People are insensitive. We're not asking for them to be overly sensitive, but are insensitive to the needs of those individuals who have a certain situation that they may need to be, if not helped, at least recognize that there is that there is uh, an, a particular health issue there that they could pay attention to. Nobody. We're not trying to ask for anybody to spoil anybody, but at least be a little more uh, considerate. And so. I appreciate all that has been done, certainly, uh, to help my dad, who I just had him at the doctor, which is why I was a little late today, so I appreciate, appreciate your um, indulgence. And so just in listening as I walked in, um, first let me, let me talk about that this year we did um, increase tremendously, particularly because it was um, – a priority of the Senate president, the dollars for persons with unique abilities, which includes uh, visually impaired individuals for education um, dollars and for um, in-home dollars for, for education for children. Um, so the, the full gamut of money will be available to not only uh, young kids and college, uh, increasing the uh, avenue for college age persons with unique abilities, but for adults as well. And so I was happy to support um, that component of the budget to help my friends. And that's what you can do when you're in the legislature. You can help your friends. And um, I don't have any issue with that. Do you guys have a problem with that? No, as long as we're in your list, we're good with it. You're on the friends list. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not talking about Facebook friends. I'm I'm talking about friends who will reap the benefits of of the work that you all put in. It's you all that sent us there. And so you should see the results of your work. And I've had visually impaired people who have come and campaigned for me. In my, in my office. You know what I'm talking about, Jack. You know what I'm talking about. Robert, he would come to see me every year. All my Aww. transportation disadvantaged people. Every year they would come. And I enjoy seeing them. And, and this year, 
I made um, good on a promise to increase the funding that gets the transportation disadvantaged van or taxi to your house so you can do more than just go to doctor appointments. So um, the chair of my committee, the chair of my committee, my Transportation Economic Development Appropriations Committee, where the money for the TD program sits, has known that the TD program has been a passion for me since I got there or before. And so uh, South Florida was um, a little boneheaded about some money that they were supposed to, <laughs> that they were supposed to use. And lucky us, their $8 million got assigned to me to determine how we were gonna spend it. And so um, I was happy to make sure that a portion of those dollars will be utilized not for just uh, going to doctor appointments, but you gotta pick up your prescriptions too, right? Yep. And you wanna buy a little food every now and then <laughs> so, so that you can make those grocery trips too and for uh, employment, transportation. So I'm just really excited about the possibilities um, for Duval and the surrounding counties um, that really I've taken under my wing because I'm not just the senator for Duval, I'm a state senator, so every, they're all my constituents and that's the, way, that's the way I look at it. And so I'm excited about that pot. Although your governor, um, I wanted to spend the eight million, because I'm a little bit greedy, I wanted to spend the eight million just in this year because I thought there was a need, uh, a, a, an urge, more urgent need, and it, the money can be used to fix the buses that they're transporting you on. So make sure you remind the driver if, if the shocks are shaking you up on the on your transportation. Tell them to get the get the money to get that fixed, so you're not bumping all over the place. You don't want to do that. So um, the governor wanted to spend it over three years, and I said, no, that's absolutely too long. He didn't think you all would be able to spend the money in one year. I said, well, there's a lot of need. I'm more than sure it can be spent. But if you're going to veto it, I will compromise with you and we'll spend it over two years. So I didn't quite get my way, but almost. There you go. And that's what I like. So um, I'm, trying to, I'm making sure I look at my sheet. Oh, so I heard the previous speaker talk about the um, thickness of the bills in, in D.C. Um, and how long things get held up in committee. Well, I have good news for you. In the, in the state legislature, the bills are not quite as thick. And since we meet for 60 days, things don't get stuck in committee for years, but they may get lost in committee. But there's usually bad stuff, generally, like guns on campus. How many of you guys supported guns on campus? Well, that, I'm sorry about you, but that one got stuck in committee. <laughs> that, one's, that one's very stuck. And open carry, what about that? I don't have anything, oh, we got one gun person in the room. Um, I don't have anything against guns. You like guns on campus? Why? From who? <laughs> we can have that debate another day, but anyway. Um, so the open carry, and I don't have anything against guns, but can you imagine um, Florida is a high uh, visitor state, 
and going to SeaWorld or Disney World and everybody's got their holster and their gun on? Can you imagine that? Yeah, next year you can pass free gun licenses for blind folks. Oh, well, I could do that. And open carry and campus carry. That's and then right. they'll all exactly. go together, right? Exactly. <laughs> and we'll see how crazy they look at me if I even, if yeah, I brought maybe. that up, right? So things do happen a little more quickly in, in Tallahassee sometimes, and the majority of times, um, and that is because our sessions are shorter uh, generally um, within 60 days. What is going to impact you will either be, will be either signed or vetoed, which is why it's extremely important that you engage yourselves in um, advocacy and that's just a cute term for lobbying, you know, and some people don't like, they think lobbyist is a dirty word, but it really isn't, not the good ones anyway. Um, and so as, as often as you can, and not during session, um, when you invite people to events such as this, uh, ask them why they didn't show up. Um, were you that busy that you couldn't give just a little bit of time in the middle of the day, um, unless you were out of town, just to come by and say hi or, or to show your face because they're going to be contacting you when they need your vote. And when we fill out the, uh, the oath to qualify, there's a line on that, on that uh, document that says you can phonetically spell your name. So for those who are visually impaired, they will read it. Well, you don't want anybody's name on your, sign the oath, you don't want to hear their phonetically pronounced name if they're not supporting your issues. That's just counter to common sense, right? right. Hello out there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. There's a quiet group. Okay. Thank you for that. So um, you're concentrating. So what, what I would recommend that you do is to make sure that when we're not in session or committee that you still send a, con send a letter of contact or some communication to your uh, legislators while we're not there and necessarily running all over the place focused on multiple pieces of legislation and issues instead of what your issues are. You don't have to wait until um, September, October, well this year, it'll be November, to keep your voices heard and your issues in front of the people who are in Tallahassee voting on those issues. This year, too, all of the House and Senate um, is up for election. So it's a very good time to, to talk about candidates who are running for office and where they stand on your issues and your needs and the funding for those needs. And if they don't have an answer, you need to move on to the next candidate because they obviously are clueless. It's an opportunity to inform them and tell them, well, if you get elected, you know, we'll come back and see you, but we gotta let our friends know that you're not familiar with our issues, you're not familiar with our funding needs, you don't only know that we need transportation for other than just uh, going to the doctor, so um, we'll see you some other time. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry? Right. And you have the power of the vote. And, and some folks don't use it. So we need to make sure we all turn out in big numbers. But make sure you uh, query 
the people that you're going to vote for or send them, send them a card. Even the candidates have campaign uh, addresses available um, at the Supervisor of Elections Office or at the website if you go to, particularly state legislators, if you go to Florida Division of Elections and click on uh, candidates and committees and then there's another click for um, offices up for election and there's one other one. So you can see who's actually running for which offices. I got to tell you, I was amazed that there seems to be like 500 people running for president. Um, so when you look at that site, it's the <laughs> longest list of names I've ever seen. Um, but then you can see uh, who those folks are that are running for the House and the Senate. And um, um, also their campaign address is there. So that's an opportunity to send a letter uh, about your issues to them and see if they respond back or send their campaign an email that says these are where do you stand on these issues and if they don't bother to answer you back well then move on to the next candidate because obviously they don't care that's my little two cent on that <laughs> um, then advocacy once you're in Tallahassee I think I really talked about that and that's that's advocating be before it's time for us to go back. So I like to get emails, and um, I do sometimes from different organizations in between session. Um, and people come to visit me in between session. And I go, I do a lot of field trips because I like to see how things are working in my community. I do corporate uh, field trips. I've seen tractor, how tractors work. I've actually driven a tractor in the field. Uh, I've gone out to where they make the uh, helmets for our troops and the protection, the, uh, the bulletproof vest for our police officers, which is right out there uh, by the airport. I've gone to nonprofit entities, the ARC, to see what they're doing for people. So I enjoy that kind of thing. So I can be the best legislator that I can be for you all. And so please invite me to... Uh, come to see what you may be doing in your community. I'm, I'm happy to do that. Or an organization that you have a meeting that I can come to and observe. I'm happy to do that. Um, I don't really do town halls. And it says here, how can, it, how, can, how can individuals have impact as well as benefit from having a presence at the local office? I think I really discussed that. Um, it says attending town hall. Not many people have town hall meetings anymore, if you notice. I used to have them when I first got elected. I used to have the pre-session briefing and the post-session briefing. It's, it's a lot of effort and time to put it on, and I don't mind that. But when I only get like a few people that show up, or it's the same people, I call them uh, forum groupies. It's the same. <laughs> I'm not being mean, but it's the same people. They show up and they ask the same question at every single forum. It's like, oh my God. So <laughs> I'd rather just be communicative, uh, communicative through a newsletter or, or something like that, which is much more valuable. If you're not in my um, email database and um, you have someone who helps you read your email or you have the audio for your email, please get on my uh, database because I send out a lot of information, um, not only 
about things, particularly in the legislature, but things that are happening in our community that are uh, resourceful for you all that you may or may not have heard about. And Teresa will make sure that we get email addresses. Um, and I think I've covered all that I was asked to cover. Actually, the experience in the legislature, of course, I've been there since 2002, thanks to you all. Movement on meaningful issues, I've talked about your lobbying effort. Because um, don't wait till we're in the middle of session, it's too late. Because it, it is, it's just too late. Because things are moving and people are trading and it's, if it's not a priority, it doesn't get done and then how the legislature works, which is really the committee process. We have the committee process too. It's just a little briefer than the congressional process just because we go from year to year and our session and, and committee length time is shorter. But the most important thing about that is what we do in Tallahassee has the potential to impact you in 60 days which is why I try to encourage people. It's great, it's great to focus on Congress and what they do and who your congressperson is. It's nice to, you know, city council too, they do stuff and sometimes it happens more or less immediately. But the, the, the stepchild in the middle that people don't pay attention to, or that middle child is the legislature, which tremendously impacts everything you do in a very short amount of time. And that's why it's so critical that you not wait till session starts to get your legislative agenda together for the next session and start to get it out to all the members as well as the candidates this year. So I cannot, I know I've said that like three times, but I'm trying to make sure that point is, as we say, um, in, a rules, in a rules ruling, well taken. And what's the best way to do that? Is it electronic? How do you prefer for people to reach out to you and communicate? I, and I don't really have a preference because letters and emails are, to me are both the same. An email is just a letter that got emailed. So it, it doesn't really matter. Or if something is coming up that is um, you need for me to know right away, then you can just contact my office. And Teresa has newsletters, thank you, that uh, my phone number is back there too, um, on, the, on the back. And so a call, a letter, or an email all get to me. Okay. Even sometimes I get stacks of the same, some people don't pay attention to those, I get stacks of the same letter, but when I'm in Tallahassee, and sometimes they may come from all over, but I usually specifically pull out all those from Jacksonville and send back a reply. Good for you. Um, I would like to take a moment of personal privilege before we open the floor for questions for the senator to ask you um, if we have an item that we would like to see turned into a bill. It's a two-part question, actually. If you could discuss to, uh, for, with us... What kinds of issues best suit the bill format? And then if we decide that we 
are that this issue suits a bill format. Can you give us some cues on choosing the best people to represent us, how to get their attention, how to get the thing moving, just some basic advice um, on what what items best suit the bill format, and then once that has been decided, how best to get the bill moving, with some, how to get somebody's attention that matters and get the, get the process going? Well, the, the good news is um, none of us really write, write bills like they did back in the day. So the, we have, everything is electronic, and we have what's, what is called uh, bill drafters, and all we have to do really is give them an idea. Because remember, the statutes have existed forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And um, they and they're uh, electronic, so all the statutes are electronic. Every year we pass legislation, they go and update the statute. And if I say um, I want um, I, I want to, well, give me an idea, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you what we do. Can I give me an idea? Accessible voting. Accessible voting. <laughs> yes. Okay. Or guns for blind people. As you there say, you go. Right? <laughs> I like accessible voting better. <laughs> accessible voting. All right. Let's say we Same want thing. Yes. <laughs> accessible voting, yes. Yeah. So with the gun. No. Um, so I just say to um, my staff, I want to, um, I want to file a bill that says we need what the what I'm going to define something. So for accessible voting, we need to make sure it's very well lit, the pavement is smooth, accessible and machines. and and it's, well, the machines we are can I have to figure that one out a little bit. Well, they are accessible. I think they are, and and that has been through the Hava money that we've received and putting pressure on the um, Division of Elections and the supervisors of elections to who control their budget, which is why many people had some machines and some didn't. So, um, because remember, if you do a, mandate, a state mandate um, and it's paid for at the local level, then then you're sending an unfunded mandate and we, we won't even go there. So let's just say we want our sidewalk smooth and we want the area well lit uh, for accessible voting. And so I say, okay, these are the things I want in my accessible voting bill. So I just type it in, or my staff types it in to the bill drafting people and says, Senator wants um, accessible voting, and she wants these things to be included in that bill. So then they go and look for the section dealing with um, elections, or and under elections is probably voting rights, and under there, there's going to be something that deals with, it may already say accessible voting um, or not. So then we're going to go, the, that drafter will look for that section in statute and tell me where it fits best. So he'll have the statute number, the section, it's all numbered, everything, and then he sends it back to me for my review. So there's nothing that is that needs to be formatted for a bill, a, a, an idea to become a bill. You, you, all you need is the idea, and I sometimes write down how I want that idea to function and who I want it to impact, and then that information goes to the drafter 
They put what I want, I review it, what I don't like, I scratch it out, what I and change it until it gets into until it, it, it has the language that I want, and then I file it. Okay. So if you have ideas, you don't have to worry about the format. You just let me know this is what I want to do. Or if you, the first person you always want to try is the person that you put in office, and, and that exactly. will take that take that bill to your your senator or your um, state representative and ask them, tell them, this is my idea. I would like for you to create legislation and file it and, and then let me know when I need to start advocating for it because it gets assigned to committees from there. Thank you. Um, are, there, are there any, do we have a mic runner, somebody? Cool. If you have a question for Senator Gibson, and please let's let it be a question because we want to hear more from her than from any of us right now. <laughs> so if you have a question for Senator Gibson, please lift your hand. You will be called on when you feel the microphone in your hand. Just state your name and your question. Debbie, this is Carolyn, so I haven't left yet. Oh, cool, good. We're an office mate. I know. Well, Carolyn's the one that said we should we should get you. So, she is. Uh, Senator Gibson. Yeah. This is Gene Sanders from Clearwater, Florida. Speak into the mic. One thing is missing. More, Gene. We have a, a accessible voting in Pinellas County, but one of the problems is that I see is that it isn't private. We don't have a private booth. We're that. sitting right out in the middle of the room where everybody can see how we vote. I thought that and I object highly to that. Well, the voting machines have an option where the screen is turned off. So people walking by cannot see how you vote, and you have earphones in your head so they cannot hear the voice. So it really is, that problem is pretty much addressed. They can see your ballot. No, they cannot, Gene. Why can't they? No, they can't. The screen is tur- has an option to turn it off. There is no, no, we're not closed in the back. No, <sighs> there's a switch on the machine to turn off the screen. We'll so talk to you. Do you have, um, I know in most communities there's um, assisted voting. Do you have someone uh, Yeah, that but it's not what we you? want. I'm sorry? It's, not, it's really not what we want. We have, it's a computerized voting. We're just going to bring this to a quick close, but it is a computerized system. And, Gene, when you have the earphones in your head, the screen is turned off. So people can't hear what... I do not use the earphones. I use the big print. You use the big print ballot? Well, that's an issue we'll have to take up with the state. We'll do that later. Another question that, that, that Senator Gibson can really help us with today that we might want to ask her. Good to see you again. Good to see you. A question, I think, here. You look younger. Uh, I actually went to the Virgin Islands and got recycled. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're welcome. You're good looking yourself. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I think a familiar question, and you've always got from Robert A. Jones and I through the years, is when they dropped the TD funding from $109 million to $67 million, uh, our Congress and our reps kept saying it was going to come up $5 million a year. Uh, 
What are we up to now as far as the TD uh, funds What's my annually? We, we increased it. Let me tell you, I lobbied for that $5 million. We increased it. I know you million. did. And so, uh, let me, I don't know what the entire, uh, I left my uh, sheet. Because I just talked about the entire budget this morning, which was, I know it's over $50 million. Do I have my sheet there? My TD sheet? No. Well, my sheet's from this morning. Yeah, this, no, no, no. This is this morning? Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Trying to see if they put the TD TD program is at fifty nine point one million. I knew it was over fifty. Very good. Fifty million. We increased it by five million one year, and then five million the next year. And that was two years ago. Okay. Thank you, Senator. Let me ask another question, if I might. Plus the um, oh. Hello. He had. What, did you have one more question? So is that okay, 59 million? Is, is there another question out there? Yes, there's another question. They can help better, for sure. But let us remember too, you know, most of our, most of our transportation dollars comes from the Fed and, and then get allocated, uh, allocated at the state. And one of the difficulties that not only the state of Florida is having, but that we're having nationwide, is our cars are running more efficiently, and there's even more requirements to make them run even more efficiently. And of course, you know, those uh, the gas tax dollars pay for transportation. And so the, the less money we have coming into that pot, the less money there is to distribute, which is why I couldn't understand when they said, well, we have a reduction in our, the amount that's in our transportation uh, pot this year. And I go, well, who took it? <laughs> and it's just that, that there is less, we need it less, and, and, and Florida is a donor state besides, we send our money somewhere else. But we are going to have to have some serious discussions about how we're going to pay for transportation and transportation projects if we continue, and, and decreasing the footprint is a good thing, but we have to find a source of revenue then for those uh, more energy efficient cars to have roads to drive on, because we're not yet with you know the Jetsons in the little but, spaceship thing. But you know, it's not just the roads to drive on, it's the means for those of us who can't drive a vehicle on those roads mm -hmm. to, be, uh, to have access to them. There's much more expressway authority money and, and toll road uh, funding uh, than there was 10 years ago in this state. And I would hope that we could get some of that used to increase funding for paratransit programs and transportation disadvantage programs uh, so that there are more opportunities for people uh, with visual impairments to uh, get the kind of access that they need. Well, and I, I agree with you, and that's going to take getting um, the cities and counties and the state together to agree on how the funds from, 
from tolls and toll roads is going to be split because that is that is the the key issue which which my understanding is those those tolls are supposed to be put back into the systems in order to pay well particularly for roads but not necessarily for transportation on those roads but i agree with you that we should particularly in florida steadily increase our transportation uh, disadvantage pot um, so that those who may not necessarily have the medicaid portion which is what my dad's situation was he had medicare um, which doesn't really pay for trips so it, it's a it's a dilemma and we have a, an antiquated medicare uh system as far as i'm concerned and we need to make sure that they need to make changes there too because it's great to have a doctor but hell if you can't get to it what's the what's the point <laughs> and that's why we not only need better TD and better paratransit, but we need transportation to move us throughout this great state so that people have better opportunities to work yes. and, to, and to play, to spend the money they have, and to move about. And that is why fixed route and a, and a statewide public transportation, whether it be rail or however it works, that is in, because what affects – because there's a time – it's important to note that disability can strike anyone, either right. through an accident, illness – the aging process through a family member. So, you know, that's what we need, and that's why we need it. So we're just so glad, Senator Gibson, that you're so passionate, especially about this transportation stuff. Do we have – I know time is running, and I know uh, Senator uh, Gibson's got to – one more time before we take our next question. Sure. Because it was – I created our um, Regional Transportation Commission. Okay, Regional Transportation – We've got co- plenty of time. Don't co- worry. Commission – which will help us to better leverage and come up with solutions, at least within our area, within our region, um, transportation, providing more coordinated transportation, which when we coordinate, it saves money for the system itself so we can put more money back in the system. And now, um, just a couple of weeks ago, they have sent out the, uh, the rendering of what the the Regional Transportation Commission building is going to look like. And so I'm really excited. Um, I am, transportation has been an area that I focused on for a number of years, and particularly how we move not just everyday people who can move themselves, but people who cannot move themselves. Yes. Um, this is Doug Hall from Daytona Beach. Use, I use have. The, use the mic, Doug. I am using the mic. Use it. Eat it. It's in my mouth almost, Paul. Oh, don't eat it. Okay. Uh, question. In 2007, the legislature voted to demand use of paper in voting. The, at the time, they delayed accessible voting for people with print impairments. And at the last time it's been delayed, it was delayed until 2020. However, there are machines now available that are accessible. Matter of fact, we have one in the exhibit area. However, that delay is still 2020, and I'm being told by supervisors they don't have to do anything until 2020. Is the legislature planning on rescinding that deadline so we can get moving? You said go from paper. I'm sorry. 
right right now the legislature in 2007 voted that all voting has to be done on paper have a paper trail before that Florida was actually the first state in the country to do electronic voting, which was accessible to everybody, but a group got together and decided they wanted paper. The legislature agreed with them, but there wasn't anything out there at the time to allow a print-impaired person to vote on paper, so they delayed it. They delayed it to 2012, 2016, now 2020. The machines are there, so is the legislature going to rescind that 2020 so we can force counties to, to make voting truly accessible instead of using equipment that breaks down that doesn't work? I can't answer that definitively. Um, obviously, we have a, a new legislature forming, but a paper trail really was, is critical on many fronts, and that includes the printing out of the receipt, which was part of the trail, really. We don't disagree with that, and I'm sorry, but I, I want to be sure you understand what Doug's saying. Um, because what happened in 2007 is everybody decided we needed the paper trail, and we have no problem with that. Um, but what the, the decision that was essentially made was rather than spend the money to buy uh, one machine at least that, that in fact did meet those needs and that was available... Because um, local counties had spent lots of money to buy these electronic machines for accessible voting, they said, well, we're going to require a paper trail for everybody except people with disabilities. And people with disabilities are going to go on voting without a paper trail, without the, the right to be protected, without any of the safeguards that the legislature said were required for everybody else. And that's our concern. So you want the paper trail. You, it's oh, not that you don't want No, the paper trail's fine. But maybe we say it a different Because I, I guess my understanding was it, the paper trail was more cumbersome for, um, for the... It, it, this maybe will resonate with you. I think we want to be treated like everybody else. Okay. Um, so, so, so what's happened, and I don't know that it was necessarily the intention you of the legislature. instead of voting on the screen? No, 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 no. We're fine with voting on the screen, but there's technology now where you can vote on the screen, and after you voted on the screen with your headphones, it will generate a paper ballot. Instead of just being held in the machine. Right. Okay. And then that paper ballot could then be put in with everybody else's votes and tabulated. Right now, we have counties that will actually give the results. In this particular precinct, you know, 7,000 people voted for Bush, 4,000 people voted for Clinton, and on accessible voting machines in this precinct, two people voted for Bush. It's a separate reported ballot. I didn't know that. Yeah, and we're kind of, it kind of, what we hear in this kind of just grates underneath our skin. Don't worry about it, blind people. You're separate but equal. And those are terms that we don't like to hear. We didn't like to hear that when the civil rights bills passed in 1965, and we don't like to hear it related to our constituency now. So, so you, don't, you don't think it, that additional accountability is necessary and, and that 
when your ballot when your ballot is done, it should just go through should the regular be. machine, yeah. so it's not reported so, separately. Yeah, so, yeah that's kind of ridiculous yeah, to say that that but, um, accessible. But I still, I, 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 I still want to spend just one more minute to make sure you understand this, this issue because it, it really riles with us. Even in 2007 and 2008 when the change was made, most of us said we don't like it. We don't like the fact that they've said that voting without a paper payroll is dangerous, that it, that it allows for fraud, but, but that you disabled people still have to do it. We, we didn't like it. But they said they were gonna they were gonna get us accessible machines with a paper trail by 2012. So we said, okay, no problem. Then suddenly, in 2010, all of the supervisors of elections got together and said, you know what? We're not gonna do it in 2012. We're gonna wait till 2016. And it's just those disabled people. So who the hell cares? And then, secretly behind everybody's back in 2014, without any consultation with the disability community, the, 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 what we believe is illegal and inappropriate um, mistreatment of folks with disabilities was extended to 2020. By, by executive by, order? By, 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 a, by a legislation that, that was, was, I guess, introduced and passed right at the end of the legislature. It must legislative have been incorporated session. to an existing bill. That's but, correct. But who called? Who, who called my office to tell me not to vote for it? Uh, we didn't even know what came. We didn't. The, in in the case of the third I don't one, we didn't. The discussion on in it the case all. of the third one, we didn't. I, I need to be candid with you. I'm one of the people who tries to keep track of legislation, and frankly, I didn't know it had happened until a year after it did. That's how secret it was. But you said we just in tw- in the 2016 yeah. session. Yeah. 2014. So the bottom, but the bottom line is, essentially, what we're saying is we agreed to be treated unequally without a problem till 2012, and and that was okay. I mean, we understood that that there's an expenditure of money involved, that local counties need to find ways to get money, and on and on. And then when it happened in 2016, we were angry. Um, but when it happened behind our back and as it was extended till 2020. That was awful. And what is worse now is okay. there is a huge disincentive for counties to buy the kind of machines that we want to use because the way that the, legislat- the legislation is currently written, what it essentially says is these new machines that are accessible and could be used by everybody are only certifiable for use by people with, dis- with disabilities. So one of the things that the legislature has to do, we hope, um, is to change it so that these machines, in fact, are usable by everybody, not just by folks with disabilities. Okay. I'll have to look at the statute. I think what might, be, what might be a really wonderful thing, if Senator Gibson is open for it and we can, we can contact um, her office and, and get all of this done, 
um, Teresa and everybody, is if we could have with a couple of key players who are really into this accessible voting, maybe a 20-minute meeting so that we could talk about this in more detail and we can get Senator Gibson some written information. And so I think, I think that, I think that what we'll do is, if it's okay with, with you, Senator Gibson, is when this conference is over, um, we'll contact Teresa again, find out if we can, because we know enough about you now to know that you care about everybody and that you want to do the right thing. And so what we want to ensure is that you have an understanding of how these machines work and what it is that we're asking for. And I think outside of this room where there's so many questions right. and stuff, we have we have a meeting that doesn't take a lot of your time and we give you some information to help you prepare. I think that's that's the road. So if you're willing to do that, we're, we are so willing to do that with you. I think that is a perfectly fine idea and we start early enough and then I can have conversations with the uh, folks the supervisors of elections also so I can figure out exactly where the where the issues lie and I'll have time to look at the statute because I'm not familiar. Well let's let's plan that so early next week we'll be back in touch with Teresa. Um, thank okay. you so much. Thank Senator Gibson. You have been a doll. Carolyn, so have you. Teresa, thanks for bringing the senator. You all are just loves, and um, we we just appreciate it. And so let's give Carolyn and and Senator Gibson a big hand again. Thank you, dear heart. All right, so. In the very few minutes that, and we are, this has just been a wonderful, you know, talking to these ladies, um, talking to these ladies of who are articulate and powerful. As a woman, I am thrilled to be surrounded by such articulate, powerful women. I think it's just wonderful that this has happened today. And so what we're going, what we're going to do, in the time that remains is we're going to have a brief word from Dan Spoon, who also went with us to the Hill. And then we're going to have um, a little, a little bat and bat, you know, cleanup batting by Mr. Edwards. And, um, I, and so that's what we're going to do. And before we turn it over to Dan, I just want to remind you one more time that within the next few months, you will be receiving, again, on the FCBL and all of your chapters, the process by which you can apply to represent us on the Hill at the next ACB legislative seminar. So the process is open. There is a fair application process. So we're going to do that. So having said that, be on the lookout for that. And now we're going to hear briefly from Dan and then from Paul. All right. Thank you, Debbie. And wasn't Senator Gibson just incredible? incredible. That was great. <laughs> incredible. Um, I guess just a little bit related to the legislative uh, seminar that's held in Washington, D.C., to give you a little bit of background, you know, we've talked a little bit about the bills and relationships, but the whole event really begins with people coming into Washington, D.C. the Sunday prior to to, to that uh, Tuesday when everybody's walking on the hill. And we try to set it up on Tuesday because that's the day. What we've learned over time is that your state, uh, you know, U.S. representatives and senators 
are really anymore not in Washington over the weekends. They really come back and spend their weekends in their congressional districts. So when you can count on them really being on Capitol Hill when they're in session is on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. So we try to maximize our opportunity to see the congressman by getting together and going to the Hill on Tuesday. So we come in on Sunday, and this year we had, I believe, over 110 volunteers, 110 folks from across the United States who came to participate in the legislative seminar, representing, I believe it was 32 or 33 different states. So quite a, you know, quite a large delegation. And really on Monday, we have a um, different set of seminar workshops that are held. Uh, with uh, our executive director, Eric Bridges, with our new advocacy and legislative director, Anthony Stevens. We call him Tony. And also, Mark Reichert usually participates from the American, uh, from AFB, American Foundation for the Blind. And so, in addition to their wonderful kind of conversations with us on the different imperatives and kind of helping educate and train us on what the real bullet points are to talk about. And, and I think the first thing, because there's a lot of apprehension, there sure was the first time Leslie and I did it. And thank, thank goodness we had Paul and Debbie as our guides the first year we went up there. But it's really about telling our stories, how these bills affect our lives and our colleagues and our member lives, and imparting that knowledge to them so they can see that it's not just a bill there's real people whose lives are being impacted by their decisions. The other thing when you actually, so, so on that Monday, we'll hear from the Federal Communications Commission that'll talk about all the things that are going on with audio description, with your television, with streaming. Uh, we'll, talk, we'll hear uh, uh, usually a report from the Department of Transportation that'll talk about accessibility with the airlines. Uh, we'll have somebody from National Industries from the Blind. There's just all kinds of different opportunities to meet, not only network with people from across the country, but hear and advocate with different representatives from agencies uh, that the ACB office lines up to come speak with us. And then we go out and we go to Capitol Hill, and that's an exciting day. Everybody's lined up in the lobbies in the morning, and we were calling Uber rides, and the, and the cars and the vans are showing up, and everybody's piling in and heading to Capitol Hill with their, you know, their best uh, knit and tuckers on. You know, you got your suit and your tie, and you're, you're trying to make a really good impression. And one thing I'll say, because Leslie and I have had the opportunity to see a lot, thanks to Debbie. Debbie does an absolutely amazing job at scheduling everybody's appointments and getting us lined up. So, so Debbie has us, uh, for Leslie and I, we go and see typically 11 or 12 representatives in about a six-and-a-half-hour period. So there's a half hour for lunch, and besides that, every half hour you are going from office to office to office to meet with the next congressperson. And it's, it's fast-paced, and what you really learn very quickly it's kind of my, you know, I'm turning 60 this year, so these folks are the age of my nieces and nephews. Most everybody you talk to is between the age of 25 to 30. They've been in Washington, D.C. from whatever state they came from the last four or five years. They're very energetic. They're very committed to their congressperson. 
And they really are there to hear your issue. You know, we're not a real combative group. Typically, the, the bills that we, that we advocate for are bills that both Republicans and Democrats, they're kind of, uh, you know, able for both sides of the House to get behind these bills. And so what was really, just a, on a personal note, an exciting story for Leslie and I this year, we were visiting actually our congressman, Alan Grayson, from Orlando, we were talking to his legislative supervisor for legislation, his, his L.A. for legislation, uh, Joe Ricalto, and we were talking about H.R. 729. And he said, well, this seems like something the congressman could support. Five minutes later, the congressman was standing at the table having a cup of coffee and talking to us and saying, let's support this bill. And he called his aide in and said, get on right now and sign up for HR 729. And by the next morning, Tony Stevens had sent out and said, we have a new code sponsor for bill 729, Alan Grayson from Florida. That really, that jazzes you up guys. I mean, you really feel like you are making a difference and that that's what it's all about. And we had an opportunity this year, Frederica Wilson, who I think is from Paul's home district. Well, she has this, if those of you who aren't from uh, Miami, Frederica always wears floppy hats. That's her kind of signature thing. And so we were in the gift shop three or four years ago at our hotel and found a little stuffed donkey. She's a Democrat. A little stuffed donkey with a big floppy hat on it. So we took that to her office four years ago and gave her this little stuffed animal. To this day, when Leslie and I show up in the office, we are known as the couple that brought the donkey with the floppy hat. <laughs> so it's amazing how just a little, a little attention and doing something a little unique will get uh, people to remember you. And so we got to meet Frederica Wilson this year. She, signed, you know, she, she stood for pictures with us. Uh, and so uh, those kind of things, what you do there, it's all about developing relationships. So when the issue came up about the um, Americans with, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> the SSDI and kind of, you know, this year, I don't know if you all remember, but one of the things that got passed in this year's congressional session was the extension uh, of SSDI benefits, where they took additional money and moved it over to SSDI so that anybody with social disability insurance funding or, or checks would not be uh, compromised at all. So they extended the funding for that program for like the next 15 years. Well, when that legislation hit, nobody for sure knew what was going to be in that bill. It was one of those things that kind of passed was going to pass in 24 hours when they agreed on the appropriations bill. Well, what we were able to do is to reach out to two or three congressmen's office and find out from them what was in that bill. And because we have relationships with Elizabeth Brown and Shope Affinity and some of these LAs from Congress folks that we work with because we've gone up to DC the last few years, they knew us, they responded to us, they sent us information. We were able to send that on to the ACB offices, to Eric Bridges, and he was able to pass it out through ACB leadership to the whole country to say, don't worry about this, this is where this funding is coming from, this is how it's going to be appropriated. So it's by developing those kind of relationships that you can really make a difference. So 
I would really encourage any of you all that have a chance, please think about going up to D.C. It's a really worthwhile experience. And I'll turn it over to Paul, and I know he can hit the details better than I can on the legislation. But, Paul? Thanks, Dan. I, I don't think we have an awful lot of time. In fact, I think we're virtually out of time. So do you want to defer this, Ms. Deborah? Um, I just want you to say whatever, just a couple things, and, um, and we'll defer. All right. So actually, what, what, what Debbie's doing is what she made me do in Washington, see? It's, it's all, it's all, uh, it's, it's all an, an evil exercise on Deborah's part. Um, <laughs> Because what Debbie says, Paul, look, we're going to take notes and we're going to add to the good things, but you're so quick at, at summarizing stuff that we're going to let you tell the first story. So, so I got to do that. So, so essentially, there, there were really four issues that, that, we were, that we were looking at, and only two of them actually had bills. So I'm going to go fast, you guys. So the first bill was, was 729. And, and, and that bill we've actually been dealing with for the last two or three years, but it takes a while for, for folks to become accustomed to it. And it essentially says not that we want suddenly to make uh, things like closed-circuit TV magnifiers and little portable magnifiers available to the whole world, but that instead what we want the government to do is to set up a demonstration project that over the next two or three years um, will will play with uh, making some of those available using Medicare dollars so that at the end of the period, um, Congress will be able to look and see exactly what the impact of this kind of a process is likely to be. So what it amounts to is a demonstration project. And most Congress people um, are really cool with that, and, and they admire the fact that we're not out for a bunch of money. What we're out for is to try to determine what, what's going to work and what isn't, and to try to determine whether, in fact, this is an appropriate thing to do. And what we want to do is to get past the place where Medicare is saying, we don't fund anything with lenses in it, so we'll never fund the CCTV, and we'll never fund a little portable magnifier, so go away. So the way that we'd written the bill, kind of everybody wins. The second one... Um, is a little bit more complicated, and it has to do with building into the special education laws that we currently have more protections for kids who are blind. Um, the truth is, mainstreaming has put a lot of emphasis on what an accessible classroom looks like and on what, uh, what every disabled child ought to get. But what blind kids need are very different from what other kids need. And so 3535 essentially is a bill that, that tries to uh, encourage more focus on the specific needs of blind folks. Um, so there's more specificity on the kind of Braille instruction that we expect. There's more about access technology instruction. It, there's more that says, in addition to teaching regular subjects, kids who are blind need to have an opportunity to learn how to live on their own, uh, to understand daily living skills and that kind of thing. And if, if they're not built into school, by the time the kids leave high school, they're not going to be ready to do anything except either stay at home or stand on a corner with a cop. So we want to change that. 
So, the third issue um, really only applied to the Senate, but we wanted to get House folks involved as well. And this has to do with the Marrakesh Treaty. Does everybody know what that is? No. Oh, no. Um, the Marrakesh Treaty um, is, is one of the coolest things that's happened in the last few years because in this country, most of us who really want to can read a lot. There are more books out there than you can shake a stick at. And even if we read 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for the next 250,964 years, we probably wouldn't be able to read all the books that are available to us now. In other countries, that's not true. In other countries, because of copyright complications and a range of other things, um, there is virtually no material available in accessible format, either in Braille uh, or as electronic files or in audio formats. So the Marrakesh Treaty was a treaty that the United States signed, which essentially says, as long as 20 countries sign this treaty, we're going to set up a set of laws that will allow copyrighted works to be shared for blind and other print-disabled folks all over the world. So it make a huge amount of difference to the literacy of folks who are out there. Um, so far, the United States has not ratified that treaty. And what ratification means is the Senate hasn't voted by a majority um, to agree um, that the treaty we signed is okay with them. And that's what they have to do in order for that treaty to come into effect. So we're hoping that any day we're going to hear that it's going to come up on the Senate floor um, we would, we would love to see it passed, and right now we're, we're hovering right near the 20 mark in terms of the number of countries that have signed it. And remember I said that at least 20 countries um, have to have signed it before it can go into effect. So we're hoping that we can call our senators and say, hey guys, wouldn't it be cool to be the 20th country to, to ratify this treaty so it would actually go into effect and we would be the vote that made that happen? So we thought that was cool. And the fourth area of, of, of concern um, that, that, we've, that we looked at has to do with Internet access. And essentially what, that, what we were primarily concerned with uh, is that we've passed lots of legislation that talks about the need to make the Internet accessible and the need to uh, assure... Uh, that folks who are blind uh, or folks with other disabilities can get access to stuff that's out there. Um, the Department of Justice for the last 10 years, really, has played with whether or not the Americans with Disabilities Act includes Internet access. We think that it does. We think there's loads of evidence that it does. And what we asked the Congress to do is, look, would you just call up the Department of Justice on our behalf and tell them to get up off um, their chairs <laughs> and essentially try to put these laws into effect and recognize that if we can't buy stuff in a store and you say that's inaccessible if we can't buy stuff online that's just as inaccessible and we want you to enforce laws that say 
If we want to buy online, we want to be able to shop independently and privately so that we can buy our loved ones gifts and not have to get their help to do it. So that's what the, the fourth and final issue that we took to Capitol Hill that was this year, and it's back to Deborah. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for coming. And don't forget, apply to join us next year and to, to on Capitol Hill. It's quite an adventure, and, and we'll, we'll keep updating you. And when we have the meeting with, with um, Senator Gibson, we'll definitely be updating you about that as well. Thank you. And, and Godspeed, and thanks for coming. <laughs>